You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. I couldn't be more excited to start the Advent season. So as you know, this is New Year's Day for the church calendar. Because um, unlike our Jewish friends that kind of start their New Year's with Rosh Hashanah, that was a few months ago, or our national calendar that starts the New Year on January 1, the church calendar starts today. Today is New Year's Day. Today begins the New Year. It's Advent, and we're here to anticipate and to expect the coming of God. And we've titled our Advent series, Coming Home. And I really want you to think about that because it's, it's kind of, kind of multi-layered in so many ways. I want you to think of Oasis as a home, perhaps a home away from home, but still, but still a home because it is, it is our Father's house. And when you go to your Father's house, you should be comfortable, right? You should be able to kick off your shoes. You should realize that you're welcomed. Like, when you, like even if you were kind of visiting your father's house and someone else came over, you might feel somewhat a responsibility to kind of welcome them, right? Because, hey, look, we have, we have a guest. That's exactly how you should feel with, with someone you don't know here. You should be like, oh, look, it's our father's home. Like, welcome, you know, let me welcome you in. And, and certainly when we share grace and peace with one another, that's at least part of what we're doing is we're kind of welcoming one another into our father's home. So coming home, this particular week, we've lit the hope candle and we've titled today's sermon, Becoming Hope. So becoming hope is itself layered. Like we, as Christians, we don't just look forward to the birth of the Christ child. Like, uh, again, our Jewish friends had been looking forward to for hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But we live kind of after, you know, the Christ event. And so we don't just look forward to the birth of Christ because he's been born. We look forward, as Hebrews calls it, to the second coming of Christ. When the, when the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, will be answered, right? Well, God will come with his kingdom and his glory, and he will make everything that is wrong right. You know, the, the wicked will be judged and the righteous will be rewarded, as it says in the book of Revelation. So there's a lot to look forward to. But becoming hope also has another connotation because there are ways in which we know that Christ is coming to us kind of all the time. He came to us in our salvation or he constantly comes to us, right, to to be with us. And that that is this kind of coming of God that Bernard of Clairvaux would say is the third coming. He talks about the birth of Christ as the first coming He talks about the expectation of Christians for a second coming. And then he mentions a third coming, but it's not after the second. He means like a third type of coming. And that's the coming of Christ to us. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound pretty bizarre, but I just want you to sit with it for a second. I am a mother of God. I know you're thinking, Robbie please. You, you say things that are weird sometimes, but that's a little too far out there. I'm going to ask you to do something else. I want you to repeat after me. I am a mother of God. Say it. 
man, I wonder how many different things you'd be willing to say. <laughs> you really do trust me. All right, hold on, and we're going to hopefully help that make sense to you here in just a minute. So the passages of Scripture for today, this passage that um, Alex read for us out of the Gospel of Mark, it too is kind of packed full of all these things, right? It talks about the, the sun going dark and the moon turning to blood and stars falling from the sky and the Son of Man coming in the clouds and all of this kind of taking place, interestingly, before that generation passed away. So when we read those things and if we imagine that that's the second coming, again, as Hebrews says, kind of the end of history kind of coming of Christ, then there, of course there are all sorts of people who have lived and died that didn't see that fulfilled. Like this generation that he's spoken to passed away thousands of years ago, and they didn't see that reality. But if we're following Bern of Clairvaux again, then they did see Christ come to them kind of again and again. But I think there's, again, another layer to this, because the passage uh, that a scripture that Jesus is alluding to, like when Jesus says the sun will go dark, the moon will turn to blood, the stars will fall from the sky, and particularly that part, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He's referring to a passage in Daniel chapter 7, where one like the Son of Man, which is the terminology that Jesus will use for himself, is described as coming in the clouds, having conquered his enemies and having delivered Israel. He comes in the clouds and he sits on the throne with the Ancient of Days. But what's interesting about that is that's not a descension story of coming like from heaven to earth, but it's an ascension story. It's going from earth to heaven. Because again, the one like the Son of Man has conquered the foes of Israel, has delivered Israel, and then the one like the Son of Man is seen coming in the clouds from earth to heaven so he can sit on the throne with the Ancient of Days. That alone is a remarkable statement for a Jewish writer to speak of. That, that Yahweh, that the ever-living one, that the creator of all, would share the throne. Right? It's, the, it's the beginning of what opens our imagination for what would become the Christian understanding of the Trinity. And so the one like the Son of Man comes up and sits on the throne, and now the throne is shared by the Ancient of Days and by the one like the Son of Man. Which might suggest that when Jesus is talking about this in Mark chapter 13, that he might not be referring simply to some future event that will kind of bring history to a close, but rather is talking about what's soon literally to take place. You see, the disciples of Jesus could not possibly have anticipated that even Jesus was going to die. Now, I know we, we know the story, and so we think, well, how could they not realize that? And Jesus even told them, right, that the Son of Man must, must suffer and die and, and the third day be raised again. How could they not kind of connect the dots? But of course, with all of their expectation of a coming Messiah and a deliverer, how could they possibly think that if he was the one that somehow he would die? That's not what they're thinking. He, they're thinking that he's going to come and that, that he's going to deliver. And so that's their expectation. And so certainly their expectation like, is not only that he's not going to die, but certainly that that's not going to happen soon. And so that's all of that stuff. Like, this is going to happen suddenly. It could happen at night. It could happen at dawn. It could happen at midnight. 
It could happen at the cock crow. Like you don't know when this is going to happen. And they didn't. And what did happen that they didn't know was going to happen was, was Jesus' death. It was certainly a, a form of the coming of the Son of Man. Because the coming of the Son of Man at that point, you realize, is not just his coming, uh, his birth that we're celebrating, or his second coming that we will all celebrate one day. But that, that coming of the Son of Man is the, literally the raising up of the Son of Man. His raising up on a cross. It's what they couldn't have expected. It's what happened suddenly. And it's what they experienced. And the, and the moon went dark, right? And the, the sun went dark, excuse me, right? And they experienced all of that kind of, you know, cosmic upheaval. The, the, the earth shook because this is such an event that was taking place. And then within a matter of days, he would ascend. He would ascend to heaven and he would sit on the throne. As the creed says, from whence he shall then come to judge the quick and the dead or the living and the dead. And so his coming to judge the living and the dead is what Hebrews calls the second coming. But the surprise of the coming is that he is, it is a surprise in the way in which he's initially announced as, the king, of the, king, as the, the king of the Jews, right? Because that announcement took place on the cross. It was on a sign, literally over his head. It said, king of the Jews. And so now we know that he's not just the king of the Jews, but that he's the king of the world. Because not only did he die on a cross, but God raised him from the dead. And after that, he ascended into heaven and he sits on the throne. And it's the enthronement of our king that now motivates us. Like, that is our hope, that Christ is on the throne. And so we should live accordingly. We should not live like the world is ultimately um, being controlled by evil. We should live like the world is ultimately um, the responsibility of the king of the world, the savior of the world. Our Christ. There is a passage of scripture out of Isaiah chapter 64. It's not so much a prophecy as it is a prayer, and it's often paired with this um, prophecy of Jesus about the sun going dark and the moon turning to blood. Isaiah says this He says, Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would tear, speaking to God, oh, that you, O Lord, would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. You see, the prophet, the Hebrew prophet's wanting God to come, and he's wanting God to come in the, kind of a, an apocalyptic way. Tear open the heavens. Come down on the mountain. Let it shake with your presence. What's interesting is in the Gospel of, of Mark, where we read this passage about the sun going dark and the moon turning to blood and the Son of Man coming in the clouds, it does speak about a tearing, two tearings actually. The first is the tearing of heaven at the very baptism of Jesus. So the way Mark tells the story is when Jesus goes to be baptized, it says that heavens were torn open and the spirit descends like a dove into Christ. And that, and that in a way into Jesus, kind of making him the Christ, 
right? He becomes the Christ. He becomes the anointed one. He might be the eternal son of God, and he might have always kind of been who he is, but his role of Christ, Christ, our Messiah, means anointed, like anointed to be king, like the spirit is kind of coming on someone, and that happens, or in someone, and that happens to Jesus, right? It says the spirit descends, Mark will say, into him. And, and so we have that event. The heavens are torn. God has come, right? The earth is being shook. Mark will only use that verbiage of tearing one another time, and it's at the crucifixion. So at the crucifixion, the veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the holy place is torn in two. And so the same way the heavens were torn so that God would come and make things new, so the veil that would have separated from, from God is also torn. Hebrews will pick up on this analogy and will speak of the body of Christ being the veil through which we go. So the same way that the literal veil in the temple was torn, so too the body of Christ was torn. It was broken for us. We say this every Sunday, the body of Christ which is broken for you, the bread of heaven, take and eat, right? We, we are celebrating in that moment the brokenness of Christ, the tearing of the veil, which again, the writer of Hebrews says, the veil is Christ's body, that we go through the body of Christ in order to be with God. Now, this is bringing us closer to, to our confession earlier that, that we are mothers of God, which, of course, sounds ridiculous. Like, how, how could that possibly be true? But there's so many things in the scriptures that sound ridiculous. Like, how could they be true? Paul says, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And, and he would also say, the Apostle Paul would say, did you all not know that your bodies, right, are members of the body of Christ. That the one and only body of Christ is made up of our bodies. So our bodies are the body of Christ. And it's that body, which Paul would go on to say, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the creeds, we confess the resurrection of the body. And uh, one early Christian writer would really make the point that body in the creed is singular, not plural. He would say, we do not confess resurrection of bodies. We, we confess the resurrection of the body. Whose body? The body of Christ. The body of Christ of which our bodies are members of. I know it sounds convoluted, doesn't it? It is a bit. <laughs> It is. Augustine would say to his congregation, don't be, don't be worried if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Because if you understood it, it would not be God. Like, we need some poetic language, some spiritual language to point in a direction that's beyond our imagination because something's happening here that's really, really important. And this is, this is getting us closer to our title for today, Becoming Hope. Because not only is Christ our hope and is he coming, but because we are the body of Christ, we are also becoming hope. And as the body of Christ, as we live our lives, we become hope for others. So I, I said this a few weeks ago, but if you want to know when Christ is coming, you tell me. 
When are you going to give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty? When are you going to give food to someone who's hungry? When are you going to give clothing to someone who's naked? When are you going to visit a stranger or care for the sick or, or, or visit a prisoner? Because when you do that, you are, have become Christ to them. Right? It is not I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. And so as you go to do those things, their prayers are being answered. Their needs are being met through you because you have become Christ to them. But it's not that simple because Christ will tell us when we do it to those who are in need, we've done it to Christ. So now Christ has done it to Christ. Christ in us has done it to and for Christ in them. Well, is Christ everything? Well, according to Paul, Paul will say we are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but Christ is in all and Christ is all. Now that's a weird statement. That's about as crazy as saying we are the mothers of God. Christ is in all and Christ is all. So that Christ is formed in us so that we can be Christ to others who Christ tells us is us ministering to Christ. Yeah, exactly. So this season of Advent, it's a season of anticipation. It's a season of expectation. But when we're talking about the birth of a child and we're saying someone's expecting, who are we typically talking about? The mother. Exactly. So if Christmas time might really focus on Jesus, Advent is going to have to have a focus on Mary. Now, I know in a Protestant context, to talk about a focus on Mary makes us a little uncomfortable. Like, are we becoming Catholic? What's going on here, Robbie? <laughs> Listen, I, I've, got some, I've got some words for you. And some of my words are this. Maybe if we would have, have respected Jesus' mother a bit better, maybe Protestants would have a bit better understanding of women. Right? Because we're not so good. At, at, at women's and women's lives and women's bodies and we marginalize them in ways that we ought not. So Advent is certainly a story at, at the very heart of which has to do with this young woman who gave birth to a baby and she named him Jesus, right? Is that the Spirit literally formed Christ in her so that she would labor, she would carry him, she would bear him up. And then in the, in the work and in the difficulty of labor, she would, she would birth him, our Savior. And not just our Savior, but literally the Savior of the world. And not just all the people on the world, but actually the earth itself, according to Paul. Romans chapter 8, creation waits for the day of redemption, groaning waiting for this to take place. Or, and again, back to Isaiah, that this would affect the animal kingdom. The wolf will lay down with the lamb. The lion will eat uh, uh, hay like an ox. Like this is affecting everything and everyone. And this is what we have in Advent. This hope that the Christ child, not just that the Christ child will be born, because we know that he has been born, 
that the birth of the Christ child will have this effectiveness in our lives and in our world. And that is our hope. And so the Apostle Paul, God love him, the guy really said some pretty amazing things. I had a colleague for years and years used to say, the Bible is that book that everybody believes in, but not hardly anybody reads. <laughs> like he, he was talking to a group of young Christians and they would you know, ask them what they thought about the Bible. And they all had these really lofty statements about it being the word of God and about it being inspired. And then he'd ask them questions about it and they would have no idea what the story was. Right? It's the most purchased book. But I don't know whether or not it's the most read book. And actually, reading it's not always that easy. Because, if, because if, we, if we read it carefully, it says some things that are kind of hard to believe. It's like difficult to get our minds around. And here's one of them. It's Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, My children, I've been carrying you and bearing you, and I'm going through labor. My children, this is Paul writing, I'm going through labor until Christ is formed in you. What, what does that mean, Paul? For Paul to call the Galatians his children and that he's carrying them, he's bearing them, and he's going through labor until Christ is formed in them? Like, part of me wants to say, Paul, slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> like, that's not how we talk nowadays. We call that, we call that appropriation. You're appropriating the female body and its, and its experience. Don't, don't do all that. But another part of me wants to read it a bit more sympathetically, right? To say, what a beautiful image, right? For him to kind of think of Mary and what Christ or what the Spirit did forming Christ in Mary. And now he's thinking about his own role as an apostle and as a pastor, about the spiritual formation of the Galatians and how Paul is, is going through labor so that they would be formed into Christ. So, maybe instead of having you all say, I'm a mother of God, I should have just stuck with that first statement where I said, I'm a mother of God. Here's how I'm a mother of God. As your pastor here at Oasis, I'm carrying you. I bear you up in my prayers and my thoughts. And I'm praying that the same way that Christ has formed, or excuse me, as the Spirit formed Christ in Mary, as the Spirit is forming me in, more so into the image of Christ, that my work with you, my labor with you would be like the labor of a mother giving birth to the body of Christ. And here's the kicker with Christianity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're not here on Sunday to entertain you. We're here to welcome you for you to participate in the Christian faith. You're supposed to sing these songs. When, you, when we hear the scriptures read, we confess together the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. I'm going to do better than that. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Right? We know what, we, what to say. We sing the doxology. We profess the mystery of the faith. We hear sermons. 
We pray our prayers. We make our petitions known to God. We greet one another with grace and peace. We come to the table. We receive the body and blood of Christ so that we might be the body of Christ that is then sent out into all the world so that our families and our neighbors and even strangers might experience the love of Christ and the mercy of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ and the justice of Christ. This is how Christ continually becomes human, through his body in this world. And so the hope that is coming is Jesus of Nazareth, who died for our sins. And the hope that is becoming is us, as we are formed into that image of Christ. And it is our responsibility, this is that final step there, not just to be the recipients of God's grace and mercy, but to, the the traditional term was to disciple, right? To bear other people up, to pray for them and and to come alongside them, to carry their burdens, to labor with them. Until, until they are formed into Christ. It's a motherly metaphor. But, but I really think it kind of actually reaches beyond just the, the, the metaphor kind of language to something deeper, something more spiritual, something more mystical. And that, like Paul, we can say, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And that our bodies are members of the body of Christ. And that body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is expanding. It's growing. It's growing because it's growing within us. But it's also growing as we share it with others. As we share the testimony of how God has moved in our lives. How we've seen him be faithful again and again. And, he's, and it's growing in the way in which we're called to participate and to act and to live. This is a beautiful time of year. It's time to come home. And so I would, I would, I would invite you, first of all, like it says again in, in that same passage of Hebrews where it says that Christ's body is the veil through which we go to be with God. It says, let us encourage one another. Let's, let's be inventive. Let's find ways to encourage one another to live like this. And let's not forsake the gathering of ourselves. So I know it's somewhat typical at Oasis that if you come once or maybe twice a month, you're pretty regular. But in this Advent season, let's, let's make an extra commitment. It's just four Sundays. Let's make a commitment not to forsake the gathering of ourselves, kind of starting with us, coming, but then let's also reach out, right? Invite a friend or a neighbor. Say, hey, there's this beautiful thing kind of going on in my church, right? We're in this series, it's called Coming Home. And all of, all of the sermons are going to kind of follow the Advent candle. So it's becoming hope, and then it's becoming love, and then it's becoming joy, and then it's becoming peace. 
And just as a little preview, all of that, of course, has to do with Christ. And because it has to do with Christ, it also has to do with you. Because Christ is our hope. And so therefore, we receive that hope so that we too can be hope for others. We're going to say similar things about love and joy and peace as the other weeks come. But I really want us to to embrace this, to embody it, to carry it so that we might give birth ourselves to something new. And I know, you know, when you're expecting, you also don't know what to expect, right? Like, what, what is this going to be like? It's going to be harder than what you think. <laughs> and, and you're going to be more sleep-deprived than what you think. And I'm not just talking about giving birth to a child. And yeah, Blake, I see you, brother. He's like, man, that sleep deprivation is getting me. I'm talking about what God does in our lives. When the Spirit forms Christ, not just in you, but through you, it's going to cost you things you can't anticipate. And it's going to exhaust you in ways that you can't anticipate. And you're not going to know what to do in ways that you think you might, but then you'll be confronted with things. You're like, what am I supposed to do now? And the thing is, you just keep praying and you just keep working and God is faithful. And that new thing, that beautiful thing, will take shape and it will be the very presence of Christ in this world. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.